did you miss me? Well, I missed I missed you guys. Um, we're back. We have a great episode with uh, Dr. Ryan Mullaney. Um, and for those of you who are longtime listeners, uh, that should, name should sound familiar. He was on a previous episode about three years ago, we've determined, since this is the fourth season of the show. Um, he's, he's come back on, uh, and we're very happy to have him. Uh, I know I've been taking breaks lately and I, and I think it's necessary. Sometimes people, I, I took, took a nice, lovely vacation, um, and I didn't do any podcasting then. And I, I've been really working hard with Wholesome Harvest Co-op still. Um, there's an opening date on the horizon, so stay tuned for that. Um, but also I've been very particular about what kind of content um, I would like to feature on the podcast since this is such a good platform locally and also um, statewide. So I want to really know from you, the listener, what you would like to see, who you would like to have on the show, um, and uh, I can facilitate that happening. So one of the ways to do that is to contact us. Um, an email always works, and that's recordtalklisten at gmail.com. We have a wonderful Facebook group called The People Who Listen, um, it's, it's great. And that's a really super simple way to get in touch with us. And we also have a Facebook page, um, we're on Twitter at RTL pod. And, um, and that's about it for, as far as getting in touch with us, if that's not sufficient, then, um, a snail mail or a pigeon would might, maybe that would work too. Um, but we're very excited. Uh, it's, I think after a few years of just talking and doing interviews, it's great, but sometimes it's nice to have a little transition. So I want to hear from you what you would like to hear. Um, so, uh, so get into contact with us. If you're new to the show and you've never listened before, we highly suggest you take a look at our website and that's recordtechlisten.com. You can listen to all of our previous episodes there for free. And also you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, our show is a hundred percent free and, um, we like to, uh, to keep it that way. If you are feeling fancy and, uh, generous, you can also donate to the podcast. If you want, there is a button at the top on the right hand side, I believe. So if, uh, that's something you want to do, then, um, we highly encourage that behavior. Um, if you're listening to this in your business and you think, wow, this is great. She, I, I get a ton of listens each uh, episode. What a great way to market. You're not wrong. So send us an email. You can sponsor the show. Speaking of a great show, we're in for a really fantastic one. So without further ado, here is Dr. Ryan Mullaney. Uh, well, hello, Dr. Mullaney. Dr. Mullaney, who is that? That's you. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. how long it's been since you've uh, been on the podcast. We were just talking about that. I don't know what we settled on, but it was it, it was something of maybe three years. I think it's three years ago you were on the show. Yeah, was not doctor then. I, I was in my first year of my doctoral studies, and now I'm done. Yeah, and you defended your thesis. You I did. You came out triumphant, so now you are a doctor. I I got the advice that when they signed the paper, I was supposed to turn and run out of the room uh, <laughs> without even saying anything. Just throw up, throw up peace sign straight out the door. Nice. Did you do that? No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, it was a little more dignified than that. Not much more, but a, okay. little, a little more. That's good. Like a handshake and thank you very much for your time. Yes, and... something something along those lines. But it was a uh, it was a, a daunting process just to get that much down on paper. Yeah, uh, and 
it wasn't as long as 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 some people's uh uh you know 600 700 page dissertations and right. things like that but uh uh something i was proud of uh and something that i think i wrote in the acknowledgments i never thought like if you think about like graduating from high school all you can think about is graduating from college yeah then when you're in college and you're like i might go to grad school and then you're like, I'm never going to be able to do my doctorate. I, I got through this. And, you know, you just uh, hold your feet to the fire. Or somebody has to do it. Yeah. For this process, which was interesting, I, uh, and, and uh, I'm sure people who have been through this know this, but there's nobody holding you accountable once you get past your exams. No. You have to spend so much time. And so uh, if you're out there listening, if you care, um, pick something that's interesting to you and uh my topic is interesting to me i don't know how many other people it's interesting to uh-huh. outside the music world but um it was uh it was a lot of fun well what was it uh well, well thanks for asking it's like i tried to prompt you for that uh-huh. um which i didn't <laughs> um i took three essentially i took three settings of the same uh same text from uh 17th century german sources okay um uh one of them is, is sort of turn into the 18th century. One of the settings was Bach, but it's a performance uh, practice guide, essentially, to performing 17th century German works. Okay. And using the text Christlagen Todesbanden as the constant, like as the control of the experiment. Okay. So the two things that, that uh, besides the region, uh, were the fact that the text was the same and that all three of the people that I was working on held the same job okay. in Leipzig. Uh, uh, Thomas Cantor in, in, uh, uh, in Leipzig, which was the, the big church music post. And uh, it turned out to be a little more difficult than I thought. But one of the, the things that you learn is, well, let's just go back a bit. Um, friends of mine who are choral conductors or were working in the same field they used to tell me that, ask me questions about performance practice, and they said, "But how do you how do you know this, and how do you know that, and and what what sources do we go to?" And so that seemed like there was a, a real saturation of of 18th century performance practice knowledge out there, and you know these those works are being performed by major symphony orchestras now, which for a while they didn't touch because you had to be a, you had to be a specialist. Nobody wanted to uh, nobody wanted to to be wrong. And so now that there's some some specialist coming around and doing these things, uh, uh, these big orchestras uh, have feel like they can perform people like Bach in an historically informed way, not necessarily with period instruments or something. Uh-huh. All that to say is there's a severe lack of 17th century uh, uh, performance practice knowledge amongst the sort of the mainstream. And for me... Uh, having spent a lot of time doing this, I, I wanted to try to codify this for my choral conducting uh, colleagues who may be interested in exploring this this repertory. And frankly, it's it's worth it. It's all text driven. Yeah. So I mean, basically, you took something that really wasn't accessible on a large scale and kind of gave them the ability to use to to be able to, be able to practice those pieces. Yeah. Is that I, it? Uh, well, I, I think that it is accessible. Okay. Let's let's uh, let's say that uh you don't have to uh be able to uh understand uh 
all of the German text or understand what the composer's intentions were, you can garner something from hearing the music itself. You okay. Can, you can tell what the affect, which was a big thing in, in uh, Baroque music, let's mm -hmm. say, um, what the affect was designed to be. Uh, you know, as a, as a sidetrack, as a sidebar here, I was thinking today about Aretha Franklin. Oh, yes. Who just passed away. Yeah. And yeah. In, in doing so, I said, you know, I never really sat down and listened to her music. And I was, I was trying to think of songs that I know of, of hers. And I said, well, it's not that I didn't like her music, but I knew we all know it because it's, it's like that. Oh, it's like if you're in, um, I don't, I don't know. It's just, well, I mean, she's always been there as far as, you know, how, when we grew up, it was, she was always there. She was, you know, um, if you're a woman, you know, like natural woman is a good one and respect, respect. is a good one, you yeah. know? So you, you hear these songs and they're like, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, it's just the way she sang with such passion. It's like, you believed every word that came out of her mouth, whether it was like, um, she was like joyous and happy or celebratory. Um, even her gospel works were like just amazing. And then you have like, I've been, I've been done wrong and I, my heart is broken and you are just devastated because yeah. she just had that innate ability to just connect with whatever she was singing. And she even did like an operatic piece, I think for, um, an award show, I think, cause Pavarotti couldn't do it. I'm not sure about this, but that's interesting. I, and I'd like and to I was see like that. Aretha Franklin singing opera. And I'm like, of course, like she can sing. She's got this voice. So her tool is beautifully developed and she has such control over it. So I was like, of course she can sing it. And she knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Um, but it, but she did it in her way, which I think is really appealing. And uh, back to your point of something that you said about the way that she delivered the song, right? Yeah. Um, I've been done wrong, right? That or or respect, mm -hmm. you know, those are two two separate things. And even if you didn't know exactly, say you didn't speak English, and yeah. or you didn't know anything about her music, you'd never heard her before, but you know something about human beings and and how the we can tone. relate the tone. That's yeah. right. So that that I think. And being sort of that soundtrack of our lives, a, a constant. It's something we can all relate to because she's so woven into the fabric of oh, American music and absolutely. of our culture and things. And I think it's the same way with this music, right? Its affect was so important to these composers. And you don't necessarily need to understand all of the German or what the conventions were. The, the, uh, the Let's say the Affektenlehrer, which is a, a big word to say, the tiny little gestures that they're trying to get across to you to uh, to convey emotion. Right. You don't need to know exactly the technique that they employed, but you get it inherently from listening yeah. to the entirety of what they've written. And so it's hard to uh, try to to uh, codify how it is that we need to bring bring those things out, especially in this 17th century repertory. Um, because it's it's very complex for, for a number of reasons and, and a lot of things going on and some change in the way that composers were writing, uh, but they were striving for something that was more 
uh, dramatic, that spoke more to the soul, that was that was uh, uh, more emotionally driven. Emotionally driven, yeah. and that's I I can I can draw that from Aretha Franklin. Absolutely, too. I mean I think music in general, I mean especially like long lasting music, has some sort of global um, uniqueness. Is sort of like the human experience. So yeah. like classical music is one of those things. It's an enduring. It's an enduring style of music because it doesn't matter what language you speak. It it's it still speaks to human emotion. Yeah, and I, I one of the things that that is important is you're you know you're telling a story of some sort, or there's a connection to be made in that 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 sort of knits the whole thing mm-hmm. together. And I think that's what's really important. And I think that's also why classical music is timeless. I mean, you have so much you know nationally driven music too and not in a in, in a in a sort of uh, uh nationalist way but in a in a way that you're proud of uh of your your home country your native country sure. i think sibelius i think of 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 moldau smetna i think of uh, of these these other these other composers and and the the tendencies um with which they wrote and that sort of uh have another kind of effect on on the musical realm and i think that's the staying power of classical music and i think it can be incredibly dramatic at the same oh, time oh god yeah absolutely yeah now um i know that you like baroque music in particular yeah but have you ever thought about composing something yourself oh i don't think that i have like that whole thing is just way too I don't have original ideas, <laughs> just to be very honest with you. Well, that's good. I mean, at least you know that, and you're not trying to, like, write an opus and have no idea what, what to do. Yeah, I would just end up quoting people, like, what's the, the lick? Just be like, like, da da yeah. just keep putting, you know. You just <laughs> cite different people, and it would just be like a research paper. Just a huge amalgamation right, of, right, of all right. that. Yeah, but, you know, I, I've done some arranging, I will okay. say. Um, do you and, enjoy that? Uh, no, okay. uh, um, I, it's not that, well, uh, I'll go back. It's not that I don't enjoy it. It's that it's, it's more effort for me than it is for most people. Now I, I've, I've done some arrangements that I'm really proud of some choral arrangements. Um, I do like, uh, and this is thanks to, uh, Lyle Nordstrom, my uh, colleague with Mountainside Baroque. Mm-hmm. He's really uh, he's wonderful, and he's super quick about doing these historic editions. And actually, one of the ways I got to my dissertation topic was um, that uh, he said, you know, you should look at look in this area and look at these composers, and and he has these just manuscripts. Um, and so I found one of Chris Lagen Todesbanden of uh, a composer Sebastian Knupfer, um, and it wasn't. Uh, How a spell check on your dissertation? Just, I mean, was it just like all red um, squiggle lines? Yeah, and... it's, it's, te- it's terrible, <laughs> and it's, it's aesthetically, it's not very pleasing either. Right, You're right. like, oh no, I have so much to do. I have so much. To, it's just reminding me of that. But um, I like. Uh, he's very good at preparing these editions from uh, manuscripts or copies or scans of manuscripts, and I find a lot of joy in that. And I find a lot of joy in uh, sort of inspired with his inspiration. Um, finding out these historical facts yeah. by looking at the score and saying, oh, they had this. You know, one of the most confusing things is, you know, what do you use for what is the basso continuo group? And for 
in layman's terms, the basso continuo group is what we think of as as the rhythm section. Now, yeah, in, right, yeah. in okay. you know, bass, keyboard, yeah. uh, uh, that that sort of thing, and and uh, um, that is really exciting to me. I like discovering things that way and sort of dusting off, and then adding my own uh, uh, take on some of these things, not straying too far, but but putting the energy into it. Yeah, yeah sure. It's, it's like putting the batteries in the, the little Energizer bunny yeah, exactly. to make him go. Yeah. Uh, and that is more up my alley, I think, than the, than the, the than composing, composing thing. Well, yeah. That's good to know your strengths. Yeah, yeah, everybody has their gifts. That's not mine. Yeah, well, that's yeah. good that you know that. <laughs> so compose something for me. And I could it. have been in school for a lot longer if I was trying to do something. Well, maybe that's something, I mean, a lot of people are in school for a really long time and then um because they don't know what they want to do or they don't really have a passion it seems like you found a passion pretty early on for 17th century music yeah well i don't think it i don't think that was early on i i, I tell this story sometimes when i i thought that i was going to be a, a a singer well you know to back up and i don't know if i've told you this before uh, maybe in, in passing not on here but i joined i joined uh chorus in middle school yeah, because I knew the ratio of men to women would be in my favor. (laughs) And I didn't like the book we were doing in mini course or something. And I just said, no, I don't want to do that. Well, in high school, I, I got into uh, a show choir, which was the big thing. Mm -hmm. And so it sort of uh, combined two things. I like the, the showmanship and, uh, and actually doing music and Mm -hmm. doing choral music. And we did, we did some uh, concert choir stuff, uh, like sort of formal choir stuff, but we yeah. also did show choir. Uh, and that was really important to my teacher, uh, Bob Thompson, who I owe a lot to, uh, as far as getting me that standard of, of excellence. Um, then in college, I was like, I want to be a singer. Yeah. I don't need anything else. I want to be a singer. And uh, uh, and all of that, I ended up uh, failing music history t- or music theory too, oh rather. Um, I mean... <laughs> And so I was like, I don't need theory. I don't need this. I don't need that. Yeah. But, um, and I, to clarify, that's a, a C minus. I had to get a C because it was for my major. So I oh, had to okay. get. okay. So you had to get above a certain grade point average. Yeah. And yeah. I, I pleaded with the teacher and he said no, uh, which was the best decision uh, he could have made. Thank you, Dr. Watts. Um, all of that, I started having these other interests. And what would combine those together? It's a conductor Mm -hmm. uh you have to be a music historian you have to be a musician yourself uh you have to uh know your theory you have to know languages you have to uh, under try to (laughs) this is this is a little complex but try to be there for people to listen and now i think as i go through graduate school and having done the doctorate now it's more important to me in an ensemble setting to be listening, not just for music, but to listen to people. Yeah. Because they know their instruments and they know their, what they, what they're capable of doing. Yeah. And if you don't, I think communication also has to be a pretty integral part too, because you're you have to communicate to your ensemble what you're trying to get out of them and then what they can in turn give to you. Yeah, for it's and it's nonverbal too. Yeah, you can sense when you go into a room of say fifty singers, uh, forty fifty singers, what the vibe of the room is immediately. You can see that 
maybe somebody's having a bad day mm-hmm. or that, that they're unsure or they're frantic or they're um, just over the moon about something, you know? And so that whole group dynamic plays in yeah. into, into, it's just like um, the audience, I think, and maybe I've told you this too, I, I can't remember, but the audience plays such a, a role in the performance. Yes. Yeah, because if you're, you can feel people sitting behind you white-knuckled, all of a sudden, that changes the changes the dynamic. That, that well, changes the energy in the room. Yeah, I mean that's a it's a very palpable thing. I think if, for anybody that's performing right on a stage to an audience, if the you and I hear a lot of uh, comedians talk about this. You know, they can be on fire, everything's great, but if the room isn't right, it's awful. You know, you can have the your best material, and if if people are too distracted or not really there, it's it's just not going to work out. You know, I feel that way about restaurants too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I don't like the 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 atmosphere of a restaurant, it's you know how are you going to have a meal in that scenario? Well, how are you going to be able to relax enough to enjoy it? Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So, I mean, if somebody's coming in there because they had, and maybe it starts out that way, and I think it's you know you have to warm it up. You just warm up the room a little bit, and then it starts to people start to relax and start to forget their daily lives and you know all of these things. This running track that's in their mind because then they're able to fully focus on what's right in front of them. Do you yeah. find that that happens? Like once a performance starts, everything sort of relaxes, and then there's this really nice symbiotic relationship. Um. No. Well, yes. In an ideal world, I think that that is true. Yeah. Um, it's it's tough for me um, personally, and I, I'm it's something I'm always striving to be better at, you yeah. know, to quiet my mind and to not worry about myself so much. What Don't worry about what I look like. It doesn't matter what I look like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter necessarily what... Uh, what I'm trying to get out of the group or what I'm feeling at that moment, I think it's understanding what they need at that moment so that we can communicate to each other and to the audience uh, uh, who is present. And whether that's one person sitting there taking notes on their computer or somebody that has dropped in because they heard us and they needed some sort of support or inspiration sure. or if they're it's a it's a grandparent or a parent or a, a sibling that's that's simply visiting you know and and walks into a a rehearsal it's got to be comfortable uh, that's yeah. you said something about being comfortable and yeah especially with voices mm-hmm. it's such a personal thing and uh you can't change it you can alter it to, and you can fine tune it, yeah. But it's your instrument, and it's it's part of sort of your soul, right? So then, when you get fifty people in a room, you say, "How do you become vulnerable? How do you let yeah. yourself be vulnerable in this situation?" But I mean, it has to be. Vo- I mean, like, I couldn't sing in front of people. Um, that's just not happening. I mean, in my car, it's, I think I've heard you sing. Really? I think so. Mm. It might have been, I, I don't know, it might have been at a party. It might have been at a board meeting. It might have been at a board meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Way back when, Queen City Performing Arts Development. Yes, How about that? Yes, that's that's way back. Yeah. That's, it seems like two lifetimes ago. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I just, I feel like, but in like maybe with comfortable people, sure, I will maybe sing a bar or two. But I couldn't imagine. But I guess maybe it's a group mentality. So if there's like a bunch of people singing and you're a part of a group, 
Do you feel like you're more protected? That you know, there's something about a a a, a teen dynamic and yeah. those people rooting for the successes, S- supporting yeah. of uh, and you know, uh, uh, my uh, mentor. Uh, Jeffrey Bors is is fantastic uh, about this, and I didn't have this sort of in my in my pedigree until I I went out and I did this most recent degree at the at the University of Washington. Um, he, he really uh, is great about focusing on individuals, and so when somebody's having trouble, you build that individual up. Mm-hmm. Now it might seem intimidating at first, and you can call them out and say, "Hey, can you can you sing can you sing that for us?" In front of the whole group, well, whereas that would be daunting, if you have that that expectation of vulnerability and this this like safe environment to yeah. to a certain extent, right? Sure, um, they'll do it, and then you can help that person, and then if you can get through to them and you hear the successes, you've got forty nine other people in the room that are that are uh, uh, validating what they're doing and, yeah. and, and, and buoying their spirit and lifting them up in this, well, in this scenario. Yeah. Cause they're celebrating their success because they're part of a whole and they're like, Oh my God, that person did it. That's amazing. Okay. Now we're, now we're firing on all cylinders. So of course I feel like it's a well-oiled machine and it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when you get into the scenario where you're worrying about somebody else and their needs, how much better, uh, uh, you are uh, at at uh, conducting at at the music that you're trying to get out of these people. I never, I don't sing well. I sing no. I'll say this: I sing my best when yeah. I'm trying to demonstrate to help somebody else. Sure, you're, sure. You're, you and I think that we could probably, as a society. Right. Take a lesson from that, and I'm not I'm not upholding myself on any sort of pedestal. No, I, I, but I think sometimes you get you're completely right. Like you should try to be the best self that you can be all the time. But that's kind of un, an unrealistic expectation for yourself, right? But yeah. when you find you have to be that person in a certain situation, most people can rise to that occasion. Yeah, it's it, yes, it is. An occasion. I think every everyday life is is that occasion. But I, uh, or my colleagues as conductors, we are, or anybody who is charged with the, the care of others, uh, you know, in in whether it's a it's musical care or, or, or otherwise, um, it's we're reminded of this constantly because of because of what it is that we do, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I it it would still be great to to be a wonderful musician and be successful, but I think I have. I have uh, success in the minds of what can you do uh, to really build something, to build a, a community, to build a, a village, uh, not to be cheesy, but it's it's so important. Well, I just I think it's good. I mean, you found what you love yeah, and you're passionate about it. Yeah. And some people strive their whole lives and never succeed in that department. So I feel like that's amazing. We're also trying to do that right here in Cumberland. Yeah, you are with Mountainside Baroque. We're trying to we're trying to build a village around. I, I mean, but it's even with with outside of Mountainside Baroque, you know, we have this uh, this mentality that we want to promote 
this area. We love this area. We yeah, love what it's, it's beautiful. all about. Yeah. And it's very supportive as a community. I mean, you found, I would think that you found that right away when you started Mountainside Baroque because it was embraced pretty quickly by the local community as far as spaces for you to perform in and um, just people with housing and opening their homes to artists to come and stay. I mean, that was an almost an immediate thing. Right. You didn't have to like wait or prompt people they just sort of were like how what what can we do to help because we feel like this is a good thing yeah you don't have to convince this community about the value of of the arts no you do not and 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 there are so many wonderful and giving people uh you know and the word is starting to get out about about us and about this community look Mm -hmm. at the wonderful thing that's happened with with the footer building down at, at Canal Place, you know, there's there's uh, uh, there's housing in these historic buildings, and we value that. Mm-hmm. We value the the visual art community. We value an outdoor lifestyle. We uh, uh, we value history in in the in the Western Maryland Railway Station and the Scenic Railroad and, and the museum and mm-hmm. and uh, so it's it's an easy it's an easy sell to this community. And people from outside the area are starting to see it, too. Yeah, which I think is really exciting. Yeah. It's like this, um, and I've said this before, and, and, you know, this podcast goes all over the world, so people can listen to it all over the world, but we are like this like tiny little gem of a place where you can live affordably, you could be an artist, you can feel like you're part of a community, it's dynamic. And then if you need to get out of a small town vibe, you can certainly do that within two hours of D.C., Baltimore, or Pittsburgh. So... You can like get out, experience uh, something new, and then come back um, where it's a little calmer. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not so expensive. But I mean, it is like the perfect little spot. Even the the musicians that we bring in, yeah, right? they love it. They 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 call it a gigcation, right? So they they get out of the rat race. They don't have to sit in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the city the, yeah. myself, but at the same time. You get to make music in a slower-paced atmosphere with people yes, that you love pace. to make music with, and and it's it's just really nice. And then you go on a bike ride. We'd mm-hmm. have a weekend of performances, and then get on the get on the trail if you want to stick around for another. Sure, ride. or go for a walk, or you know, go to the museum, or go see what's at the Arts Council. It's, I mean, yeah. that's the beauty of it. And then we also have some pretty good um, antiques or junk shops you know, that you can look through just yeah. to see what you need or, you know, never knew what you needed until you saw it, um, which is fun. I went to the Fort Cumberland Emporium. Yes. And it's one of my favorite stops. I, I don't, gosh, I don't remember when this was now and, and that's terrible, but, uh, we did a, a program called three violins, three generations that featured, uh, Stanley Ritchie, uh, Cynthia Roberts, and Brandy Barry Benson. Now, um, those three, Stanley, who's sort of the one of the deans, if not the dean of Baroque violin in this country, okay. uh, teaching at Indiana University, he uh, taught Cynthia, who was at the uh, as a faculty member at the Juilliard School, and Stanley and Cynthia taught Brandy. So we did this three violins, three generations concert. They did the personal three parts upon a ground. It was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, event. The week before, no, it's it two weeks before, I was going through the Fort Cumberland Emporium, and I was 
going through the records. Mm-hmm. And I found the first recording, uh, American recording, I think, of the Bach Brandenburg Concertos. And I was flipping through. I, I pulled them out. And I was looking in here, and I don't remember which ones he played on. Stanley Ritchie played on this recording. Oh, my God. So when he came up, I kind of nerded out a little bit, and I said, uh, and I had to pick and choose my time because here I am, one of the co-directors of this group, right? And I go over to him and I said, "Can you please sign this? Would you please sign this for me?" <laughs> and it was just, it was a, it was like it was, it was meant to happen, and it sure. was. I remember specifically that I wasn't. You know, there's frustrations with running an organization, not with the people, but sometimes with the logistics yeah, of, yeah. of, oh, where's the money going to come from? Oh, well, what are we going to do? That seems to be the biggest thing. Like, where's the money going to come from? Right. I think if, if everything was funded appropriately, then you would just have like a bunch of really happy people running around doing really wonderful things. But If you get on our, our website, there's a button that says donate. And if you're an organization and you have grants and you think we would qualify please uh no i'm just i'm no please sort of kidding but you're not not really yeah at all um but i remember that moment because i was having a particularly bad sort of week with with trying to wrangle things and get them into place and and i said this is an omen that i should keep going (laughs) I i think um being here and just like being able to uh, get out of your house and go for a walk and just go through and like just sort of look through the emporium at like various things yeah it clears your mind a little bit and then at at the same time you found your inspiration to be like no i should definitely stick with this this is definitely something worth fighting for so that's good yeah and i I hope other people realize that these things are out here too and i i think we got in this past year um i was telling you a little bit about the fact that we did this this summer early music festival yeah that you'd been talking about uh for a while yeah and then it happened so i mean you you mean you've reached a lot of goals. You got your doctorate, now you've got this music festival. And so tell me a little bit more about this festival. Uh the festival is something that's been uh, probably 5 years in the making mm-hmm. and I think we set a, a 3-year plan in place to get this going, but we take uh 4 days. We took this is and this is the inaugural, but we do a biennial festival. So we do it on the off years of uh we decided we would do it on the off years of when Boston Early Music Festival holds their festival. That's good. And in the hopes that uh, if it, it falls sort of in that in that uh, that niche, that spot here on the East Coast, and it's a similar weekend in, yeah. uh, in the off years, um, it's a great place to, to hold a festival. There's wonderful venues here. There's lots of history. It's centrally located two hours from any of three or four airports. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, the cost of living and staying is really inexpensive. Mm-hmm. So we can offer uh, a little bit less expensive ticket prices. Your hotel accommodations are are, are uh, on the less expensive side. And there are wonderful, nice places to stay that are already here and new hotels that are going up. Yeah. And so we took a chance and we invited in not only ourselves, but uh, guest groups. We had uh, tenant, vocal ar- tenant vocal artists from New York City. We had... The Newbury concert from Chicago, and we uh, team Cynthia Roberts. Uh, uh, she collaborated with Christoph Hammer, who is a forte pianist from uh, from Germany, and so we had these three pre- presenting organizations in addition to us. So over four four days, uh, we had uh, 
concerts mountainside baroque uh brought back are from britain to the blue ridge nice as a sort of appalachian welcome and mm-hmm. that concert uh paired uh music from the british isles with uh counterparts speaking of of similar texts like yeah. we were talking about in Christlag and Todesbanden um this uh took an appalachian text that was based off of a british text and uh and the music and how it evolved when it came across the pond yeah. using quotation marks sure sure um but at the end we also uh mountainside baroque took our chamber choir the scholars of saint cecilia and some vocal soloists uh, f- uh, sort of amalgamated from the groups that were here and some other people and all the orchestra musicians and we did a Handel oratorio up at Frostburg State University for the final shebang. That's amazing. And it was a wonderful, wonderfully busy uh, weekend. Uh, we got people from D.C. and from Delaware and from upstate New York and people seeing this for the first time and saying, I, I remember one couple said, well, nobody else wanted to bite the bullet this year of, of all our musical friends. So we're here and we're... We're, uh, we're, the, we're the guinea pig. We're supposed to report back and we're yeah. going to give them an excellent report. Oh, and spectacular. So the next one is in 2020. I think that's smart because then you have a whole two years to plan. You're not... Ex- I mean, you have breathing room a little bit and yeah. then the ability to market that appropriately i think is also excellent too we need every bit of that two years yeah. <laughs> it, it was you know there's always a learning curve at the sure. first time but i i think um you know in that learning we had master classes and we had lectures some of these these guest visiting artists uh ellen hargis had a wonderful master class uh that i was hearing about um and and these teachers these master teachers are so giving of their time and cynthia and christoph and um uh i got to sort of watch after the fact yeah. and hear from people unfortunately when you're a director you're, you're running little, around like a chicken with your head cut off a little bit busy a little bit more logistics than we would like mm-hmm. but you know and I think that those opportunities uh, sort of infused with uh, the opportunities to see history and culture here. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a unique experience in, in that way. It, yes, uh, these great cities, these big cities are wonderful. But what about that small town charm? What about Appalachian charm? Uh, you know, what can we bring to the table? And I, I, I think that there's a lot that this, this area has to offer as far as doing that. And, I should also say that we're running this festival in conjunction with an early music academy for middle, high school, and early college age students. That's nice. So one of the highlights of the week for me, and I unfortunately didn't get to teach as much as I would have liked to this mm-hmm. time around. Um, we run this academy every year, but we had the these professional musicians coming to check in on the students and Tenet did a wonderful master class, and uh, we had on Thursday of that this performance week, uh, and the Academy runs Monday through Friday. The mm-hmm. festival ran Thursday through Sunday, so there's overlap. Yeah. And on Friday, the kids had their uh, – kids uh, – the students had their yes. recital. And we had to keep adding chairs. People just kept coming in. And it was so exciting for them to perform, some of them, uh, you know, in, in college, who knew the people sitting in the audience and were, you know, a little nervous or a little sure. this or a little that. And, and just the the energy in the room was, was really palpable. And I think that uh, 
watching them sort of uh, covertly, uh, I think those those professionals and it's it's not uncommon to have an, an early music academy or a period performance practice academy these days makes uh, sense i mean logistics wise everybody's there and when location you might as well yeah and and uh in in doing this you know uh, we having the middle school component or the early high school i think that is that is a a, a component that's uh sort of unique to us i know that there's others there's what there's an academy like that in seattle but to watch these these pros in the field enjoy seeing the next flight of of them or uh, of our field come up well yeah because really that, then that means it's sustainable yeah you know, I, you're looking at the fu- literally looking at the future and here's saying, to hope right, and <laughs> yeah, right? that 17th century music does not die out uh, yeah well it's uh, and and it was the it's other, had a good run so far it, so. it sure has it's the things and that's well that's also something we have to think about too right the things that have that we have been exposed to, the, the the pieces that exist in in modern form and people have made into modern editions, uh, are the things that have risen to the top and that have had had that staying power. But the you know the records of these things, the manuscripts that have not been unturned yet. Yeah. And you impart that to these these students. They said, well, you know, where did you find this? And this is this is great. I said, there's there's stuff to be done. There's music to be found that we haven't yet heard in our yeah. lifetimes and and that between that and the create the creative part the mm-hmm. creativity of the fact that you know you can ornament or you can add things or you can not everything is dictated to you in black and white on the on the page they love that and it's so easy to it's not easy to teach you know the 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 formal well there are some performing conventions but to teach that freedom and creativity you really can't and right. to let them experience it is really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's been a it's been a wonderful experience and uh I I think I'm excited to get back into this new season that we have going but uh we're really excited about about what's next for the festival and for us in yeah. in 2020. I think uh, don't quote me on this. Uh I'll I'll throw it out there and we can maybe fix it later or you can check the website but I think it's June 13th to the 16th okay so what's your website for people if they want to check it out mountainsidebaroque.org okay mountainsidebaroque.org and are you a non-profit we are a 501c3 non-profit so you know what that means if you donate you can write it off on your taxes that's right you should donate lots of money to mountainside baroque i I couldn't agree more (laughs) and 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 for the festival now i imagine do you need volunteers for the festival i know this is a little far out but i'm just saying like if people maybe can't contribute monetarily to the festival do you need volunteers absolutely we're always looking for people to help us we're looking for people who are interested in what we do uh you know there's opportunities for singers in the in the chamber choir if you're interested in auditioning for that um, we have a nice cross section of community members who are very dedicated and good singers and and really work hard mm-hmm. and they love uh interacting with the the pro singers that we bring into and it's it's a wonderful community building thing and so if you would like to be a part of this uh, uh this organization you know please get a hold of us yeah go to the website and contact that's right contact that's- so we'll have direct links on our website for all of that stuff Great. now um on your previous podcast, you said you wanted to head back east for a job. 
but that didn't happen. I <laughs> uh, no, you know, I, uh, and I, 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 Would you like to amend that statement? <laughs> I, I, well, no, I, I love it here. I really do. Yeah. I love the East coast, but I, I, the Pacific Northwest truly has my heart. It's a second home for me for sure. And, and I, I don't mind telling you that uh, because of that podcast, I had ended up losing a job, <laughs> a job interview. I had a job interview and they said, we heard that you wanted to move back to the East. So I don't think that's going to fit with our long-term plans. And I said, oh, oh well, you know. Well, that was really before you had left and had fallen thoroughly in love with the Pacific Northwest. So yeah. their loss is somebody else's gain. Yeah, I have I have a significant other out there who I also am quite fond of. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, we've been together for a few years now, and and uh, uh, and she's out there now, and and so it makes it more uh, appealing. Appealing, yeah. It makes it, it it's you know it's that's sort of where we we got our start, and yeah. uh, and so I have all these wonderful personal relationships. Not that with uh, not just that, but with my teachers and with my colleagues and friends and, sure. and people I've made. But also, it's beautiful out there. It's gorgeous. Yep. Yeah, and, I don't feel sorry for you at all. <laughs> no, uh, but I uh, in in all of that, uh, I was you know as I was finishing up, I, I got this opportunity to uh, take on uh, a sabbatical replacement. So for for a short time this uh, this fall for a term, I'll be uh, leading uh, the choral music uh, program at Whitworth University in the uh, Mark Hafso, Doctor Mark Hafso's stead uh who is a wonderful man and has a, a great program between he and and debbie hansen and ben brody uh i just i i i didn't know whether i wanted to go and take a, a part-time uh or a, a or a temporary position but i just kind of fell in love with this little school and and the the people that they have there and i think it, it this just goes back to the people idea yeah. again um, it's a wonderful choral program. It's at Whitworth University. I'm sorry I didn't say that. You did say that. And I did. And it's in mm-hmm. Spokane, Washington. And uh, I'll be out there. I'll have two choirs, the the Whitworth Choir, uh, which is a, a mixed undergraduate ensemble. It's a very fine choir. Uh, I would I would throw it up there with some of the, the best undergraduate mixed choirs in the Pacific Northwest. Good. Um, uh, I have a men's choir, uh, and I am also teaching uh, – uh, seminar a, a course on uh, choral rehearsal techniques um which i'm really looking forward to uh a, a lot um and just uh seeing what i can learn from from Your these students, students at the Absolutely. same time yeah, yeah. yeah so it's a uh, a bit unexpected but uh very grateful and uh i'm actually taking off here in early next week to yeah head out. well they are extremely lucky to have you i yeah. think that i think that uh we are we will allow you to expand how wonderful uh, your talents are to the Pacific Northwest. That's, that's very kind of you. Uh, I uh, still plane hopping back and forth across the country, uh, and uh, which I'm but, very grateful for, just because we are we are friends, and it is nice to see you more often than not. I feel like over the past few years, you getting your doctorate, I see, I still was seeing you on a regular basis. Yeah, at, at least at least semi regular, yeah, and and yeah. uh, I'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be able to to do that and stay connected in this community that means so much to me, yeah. and uh, and 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 you as well for doing <laughs> this. This is such a, a wonderful service to not only to our area but to get the word out about our area and some of the great people that are here. Yeah. I'm thinking about we were talking about. 
restaurateurs, and I know that um, uh, uh, I just think of. I looked at Josh Horvay's website today yeah. for Allegheny, and I'm so excited for him. And I mean, there's wonderful people that just popped into my head. And sure, said, yeah, Josh came on here to talk about the food that he was developing for Clatter, and he was in the process of of getting his current restaurant together and and on its feet and all that other kind of stuff. So he definitely should be coming back to talk about the restaurant and his and how it's actually um, just developed and it's, he's achieved that goal. So it's pretty exciting. And I, and I really enjoy doing it because then people can come back and tell me that they've got their doctor. It's found a job, you know, contributing members of society, a temporary job, no. <laughs> hey, but a job, <laughs> a job nonetheless. So yeah. That's, 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 yeah. And it's, I, I just, I love giving back to this area. I'm, I don't think that I, 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 I won't say anything for certain. I, I would love to be close to here. And so, you know, to get back and to still keep my, uh, in addition to Mountainside Baroque, volunteer and keep my foot in here yeah. and do what I can to to uh, take care of a place that took care of me and gently kicked me out the door. Yes. We yeah. said it's time for you to time for you to go. Yeah. Move on. But you can always come back. Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah. it's, it's really wonderful. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming back to it's, the podcast. It is always my pleasure. All right. And we should do this more frequently than every three years. Sounds great. Okay. Thanks. For more information on what you've heard on today's show with Dr. Ryan Mullaney, head over to our website, and that's recordtechlisten.com. We'll have direct links to Mountainside Baroque. Um, we really appreciate you listening to the show, and we would love to hear your feedback. So that will be you right now. In, if you hear my voice in your head, I'm talking to you. Um, let us know how we're doing, what we can improve on, what you want to hear. Get in contact with us. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And um, we have a website so and it, with an email address. And that is recordtechlisten at gmail.com. This has been another episode of Record Talk Listen, where I hit record, people talk, and hopefully you listen. Until next time, thank you so much.